Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Genesis chapter 19, I'm going to skip around and just call your attention to a few verses to get the, the concept that we'll be dealing with. The first verse, there came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. Verse 5. They came unto Lot, that is, the people of the city, and said unto him, Where are the men which came in to thee this night? Bring them out unto us, that we may know them. Over to verse 12. And the man, that is, the angels, and the men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides son-in-laws, and thy sons, and thy daughters, and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place, for we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. Verse 16, and while he lingered, the men laid hand, uh, hold upon his hand, upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, and the Lord being merciful unto him, and they brought him forth and set him without the city. And it came to pass, when they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, Escape for thy life, look not behind thee, neither stay thou on all the plain, escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto them, Oh, not so, my Lord. Behold now, thy servant hath found grace in thy sight. Thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast shown unto me in saving my life. And I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me and I die. Behold now, this city is near to flee into, and it's a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one? My soul shall live. Verse 22. Haste thee, escape thither, for I cannot do anything till thou come thither. Verse 26. And his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. Let us pass for prayer. We thank you, Lord, for this church and for so many who have seen the call of the Lord in their lives in a very special way. We pray that you would inspire us and instill within us your word, that we would carry it out of this building into the place where we work and play and live, that others may know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. In his name we pray. Amen. This morning we talked about Abraham, how that he was called out of Ur, the Chaldean mountains, took with him his nephew Lot, and went into what we know as the promised land. 
where there became a strike between the two sides, the herdsmen of each, and it was determined that they needed to separate themselves from each other. And Lance decided that it was his place to go into the plains where it was well watered and plenty of grass toward the city of Sodom and make his life there and leaving the rugged, the rugged, the rough terrain of the hill country to his elderly uncle Abraham. While Abraham sat in his tent, the Lord and two angels came to Abraham and talked with him and announced Abraham that he would be the son or the, the father of a son, even though he was nearly a hundred years old. But he also announced to Abraham that he was going down to the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. By the way, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah very likely are in the depths of the Dead Sea. Nobody can find them. That's where they appear to be. Uh, geographically and historically and archaeologically, that's their location. Abraham pleads for that city not because he was so much interested in the population of the city, but he was interested in the salvation of his family, of Lot, his sons and his daughters. And the Lord agreed, after that earnest pleading, that if there would be found as few as ten righteous people in the city of Sodom, he would not destroy those cities. Abraham was short-sighted in stopping too quick in his plea. The Lord would have listened even to lesser numbers and would have agreed. As a matter of fact, I believe the Lord would have been receptive to Abraham, and if he had asked for one righteous person, the Lord would have said, I will not destroy that city for the sake of one. That would have been wrong himself, of course. But Abraham was mistaken in how many righteous people there were, in that he did not realize that everyone who names the name of God is not a righteous person. Everyone who says they believe in Jesus Christ is not saved. And I preached that sermon on more than one occasion to you, that not everybody who is a member of our church can be presumed to be saved. There are lots of people who have gone through the external affairs of becoming Christian who look like one, who act like one, but whose heart has never been turned over to the Lord. All right, that subject is, is done with in the past. So, but it sets the stage for the fact that we now find Lot in the city. First of all, he pitched his tent toward Sodom, and then in the 19th chapter, in the very first verse, we find that Lot is in the middle of the city, and he's sitting in the gate of Sodom. What that simply means is that he had been elected a judge in the city, and that's where they set up their, their throne or their, their table of judgment, and Lot sat there in order that he might pass judgment upon the cases that were brought to him as a judge. The point is he had become absorbed in the affairs and the life of the city. Even though he was a man of God, by all appearances, he was a sinner, like the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. He looked like them, he acted like them, he had been received into their midst, they accepted him as one of them. 
it is very dangerous to be accepted as a sinner by sinners. We have got to show our callous. The Lord will not be pleased with our life if we look like and act like and sound like the sinner, the lost persons of this world. There ought to be something about our daily walk that separates us from them. I'm not saying that we ought to separate ourselves from them. Lot had a good opportunity to go to that city and pronounce himself as a godly man and proclaim that they ought to repent from their sins and become a Christian in modern day terms, that's what we would say. But he didn't do that. He was absorbed into the society of Sodom. This is an error that Christian people make. One of the problems when people leave home and go to another city is that they have a tendency to forget about the church. They ought not do that. When one leaves home and goes somewhere else, they need to find the church there where they can worship. Lots should have found, or if there was none there, should have established a church where he could carry on the, the gospel. But he didn't do that. We should certainly go out where lost people are, but we ought to be with the intent that we will, by the demonstration, very subtly maybe, but by our life and our faith in Jesus Christ, we ought to cause them to be aware that we have something that they don't have. And sometime or other, we're going to see some of those people run to the Lord because of our fortitude in staying with what we believe. It may mean that we will have to say no when we would want to say yes. But in the long run, our saying no will be the greatest thing that ever happened to us. And certainly the greatest thing that ever happened to the lives of some of those people to whom we will say no. All right, here he is. Sitting in the, in the, in the seat of government, looking and acting like a sinner. When he supposedly is not. And two angels, we only find two now, the Lord is not here, but two angels appear to him, just like the three of them appeared to Abraham, and he rose up to greet them, as was the custom, and he invited them to go home. They said, no, we'll sleep in the streets, and he said, no, I don't want you to sleep in the streets. I'll take you home. You, you come to my house. Hospitality was a great thing in that day. And so there they are. Down in verse 5, we discover that the men of the city come late that night knocking on the door and says to Lot, bring these men out that we might know them. Now, I want you to understand this verse. They were not saying, bring them out and introduce them that we might get acquainted. This is the biblical term, no, that is, bring them out that we might engage in homosexuality with them. That's exactly what that verse is saying. This city had sunk to the depths of sin, and this is an indication of a society that has gone to the pits when it is a homosexual society. That's the bottom rung of sin. You consider the fact that our society is on the verge of sinking to that level. And it is when gay rights becomes a political issue, when it becomes an issue even in the church, 
when some churches are deliberating about whether or not to accept a homosexual pastor, how deep can we sink and still call it God's house? But this is where they were. They had sunk to that level to the point that Lot was offered them his unmarried daughters in exchange for them leaving these men alone. But they would have nothing to do with that. They were attempting to break the door down to take these men physically that they might abuse them. Now that's pretty low when one would offer his daughters in order to protect the, these two men. But that was the concept. Anybody who went and who was in your house was under your protection and you were godly bound to protect them with whatever ways possible. And the angels had to step forward. You will find in verses that we do not read and strike these men blind in order to keep them from breaking down the door and coming in the house. Okay. The angels say to Lot, Get your family, your sons, down in uh, verse 12 and following, and your daughters and your sons-in-laws, and get them out of the city, because we're going to destroy it. Okay, Lot attempts to do that. He goes out to his family, verse 14, and he speaks to his sons-in-laws, which have married his daughters. And he said, get up and get out of this place because the Lord is going to destroy it. But notice the results of this encouragement. He seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-laws. What has happened? Lot had lost any influence that he ever hoped to have over his family because his life did not reflect his faith. This morning I said to you that one of the concerns that we have is that we are interested in our family becoming Christian. But we also recognize that that is one of the most difficult groups of people to go to and to influence for Christ is the members of our own family. And why is that? Because they know too much about us. They remember the only little rascal that we used to be. I can remember when I preached before my home church that that is one of the most difficult places to preach and I don't think it ought to be done much and certainly not as pastor because there is no way that the only little boy that grew up in the community and was taught by the people of the community and everybody saw him and, and knew what kind of a person he was for him to stand behind the pulpit and talk to them about salvation of becoming more righteous. It just won't work because they don't remember what he said. They remember what he was. Bill will never make it here in this pulpit as a preacher. There's too much known about you. You can go to some strange church and do great. I can preach to you people because you don't know all my background. But let me go to my home church and it's a different story. And the Lord understood that when he said that a prophet is not without honor, save in his own 
contract. And that's exactly what he meant. So here is a man who has lost, he had his influence, but he's lost his influence because his life did not reflect his faith. Now listen, if we're not living what we say we believe, we're not going to convert very many people to Jesus Christ. He did not practice what he preached, and so when he went out to his sons and lads and to his daughters, they laughed him to shame. Why, Dad, what are you talking about? You've never shown us those things before. What do you mean the Lord's going to destroy this place? You have practiced the very thing we're doing. You brought us into town, and you became a part of the community, and you taught us to be uh, socialites and enjoy all the things that this community offered. And you know that we practice all of these immoral things, and you're telling us now that we ought not do that? There was no influence there. What's he going to do? The magic number is 10. That's all Lot, or that's all Abraham begged for, pleaded for. He felt sure there were 10. The daughters, apparently four, sons at least two, sons in laws at least two, that's eight, and Lot and his wife makes 10. That ought to be the righteous of the city, at least. There ought to be that many. But now we discover that there are not. For those that are married have long since left home and they do not accept now the new, new teaching of their father and father-in-law and apparently the sons didn't accept it either because there's no indication they left. The only ones that leave this community are the two unmarried daughters. They only leave because that uh, has control of them and his wife and the angels take hold of the hands of Lot and of his wife and of his two daughters and physically take them out of town. They physically do it because they didn't want to leave. Verse 16 says that they lingered. There is a sense of urgency in the, in the message that the angels are proclaiming. Get out of town and do it now. But they're saying, oh, there is no hurry. Let us linger behind. This is the problem of a lot of unsaved who have heard the gospel preached over and over and over again. And I've had people in this community, as every community I've ever been in, say, I'm thinking about it. That's fine to a point. But listen we can think ourselves into hell. And there is many a man and woman who is thinking himself or herself into the depths of hell because they do not see the urgency of accepting Jesus Christ. There's plenty of time. That's what the rich man said. There's plenty of time. I've got much goods laid up for years to come. Eat, drink, and be merry. And that's the attitude of lots of lost people. But the Lord said, you fool, tonight, hear the urgency, tonight your soul will be required. Not tomorrow, but tonight. And I am shocked at sometimes the, the suddenness of death. And I've lost friends and neighbors like that as well of you. 
when you thought they were in good health and suddenly they're dead because we don't know that there is uh, an imminent point in their life that's just around the corner before the night is over. It's possible for some of us to not see tomorrow morning sunshine. Listen, if we're not Christian and that happens, we have lingered beyond the point of any return. That's why it's so urgent that we proclaim the gospel of Christ to the lost, because it might be the last opportunity, your invitation to them, that they will ever have. And if you did not give it, they would have never received it. He says, escape for your life, in verse 17. Do not look behind you. This is a terrible temptation for all of us who are Christian to want to look back upon what we said no to. To go back to the old way. To try to pick up some of those things that are behind that we've already turned our back upon and we've had to say, I'm sorry, the point has come. We're going to cut it off here and go on to, to turn around and look back. We cannot do that. He says, do not look behind you. You've made the break. Look forward. Look forward. They don't want to do it. Well, the angels get them out of the city. And he says to them, escape to the mountain. But Lot isn't convinced that they ought to go to the mountain. He wants to go to another little city. Isn't it strange that man knows more about what he ought to do than God knows? That we have the right idea, and God's a little off. You see, God, you don't understand my circumstances. See, I uh, have a peculiar situation. It's got to be done my way. And that's what Lot said. Look, angels, I have a better idea. Oh, not so, he says in verse 18. I don't want to go to the mountains. You see that little city of Zor? It's just a little place. Just a little town like Danville. I'll go there. There won't be any danger there. I got out of Charleston. Go ahead and destroy Charleston. Let me go to Daniel. Or even worse yet, to Turtle Creek. This isn't what the Lord wants. But he finally says, all right. All right. If that's where you want to go, then go there. The Lord is asking for a clean sweep. He does not want us to clean up our act. He wants us to have a new act. And many times, people try to clean up their act instead of putting a new life into place. Let me tell you, if all you want to do, and if all I want to do with my life is clean it up, we're going to fall short. The Lord is asking for a new life out of us. It's the new life that's going to mean something to the person out here on the street. 
It's the Murite that Lot could have established that would have influenced his family. But he didn't want that. He just wanted to clean up his act a little bit to get by. And he pleaded and begged, and the city had to be destroyed, and finally the angel said, all right, all right. I can't do anything to you. Get out of Sodom. So go to that little town. Go to Turtle Creek. Lot didn't clean up. He didn't, didn't uh, establish a new life. He didn't even clean up his act. He was the same old sinner once he got to Turtle Creek. And he was when he left Charleston. And his wife. He didn't even have enough influence over his wife turning around and looking back as that city was destroyed. Some people think it was an atomic bomb or some uh, explosion from that came from some other civilization. I don't know what it was. I think there's some other more logical explanations that we'll not deal with tonight. But nevertheless, she turned and looked back. The point is he had not even convinced his wife that she ought to be godly. She was reluctantly giving up all the good life of Solomon Gomorrah. But not only that, he now was living out there by himself with his two daughters. And the two daughters got to talking, and they said there was not a man around. We're going to die old age. We're never going to have any children. We're going to have to uh, foster our our lives, we must have children. So I'll tell you what, let's get our father drunk, and we'll lay with him, and conceive a ch of children of him. My point in, my, in making this known is, the father's sin has now carried over to the daughters. And when the scripture says the sins of the fathers will be visited to the third and fourth generations, he meant exactly what he said. The sin of the Father has now set in place the lives of his children. They produced sons. One of them produced a man by the name of Moab and another by the name of Hanan. They became the Moabites and the Ammonites. And the Moabites and the Ammonites were a continual thorn in the flesh of the Hebrew people. It did, in fact, Yield, disease, disaster, destruction, all the way down for many centuries because of that and his reluctance and refusal to be righteous in the city of Sodom. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap, says the scripture. I believe that very strongly. I didn't used to believe that too much until I had seen my sins reflected in my children. And I know it came about. I suppose my father has seen his as his sins were reflected in my life. And I know my children will see theirs when their sins are reflected my grandchildren. God expects us to be righteous even in the midst of Sodom. And if our Sodom is Charleston or Turtle or anywhere 
somewhere in between. He expects us to live for him every day of our lives. We will fail and falter. But let's not move into Sodom and lose the influence over our families and our friends because they can't see any difference between the way we live and the way they live. Let's count for something and stand firm in our faith in God and our devotion to Jesus Christ our Savior. Shall we pray? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.